0: It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. My name is Nigel. That's Jason Hammer over there. It was a few weekends ago. The first time American soldiers have been killed in an attack since Hamas slaughtered over a 1,000 Israelis last October. There's been well over 150, 160 strikes aimed at American military bases all over the region. They say... It's in retaliation for the war in Gaza and in America's support for Israel. I want to bring on Joel Pollack, senior editor at large over at Breitbart News, who has been covering Israel's war against Hamas uh, almost from day one. He's been into Israel several times. Joel, what kind of progress? Thanks for coming on the show, by the way, Joel. What kind of progress has Israel making in eradicating Hamas, and have there been any setbacks?
1: Well, Israel is making incredible progress. If you follow the israel defense forces on social media they put out updates regularly including video and photos of what they're doing and they have taken the fight directly to hamas they largely secured the northern part of the gaza strip the battles in the central part of the gaza strip went more quickly than many people anticipated and they are In operational control of much of the southern Gaza Strip, the town of Khan Yunis, which is the capital of Hamas, if you will, is firmly in Israeli hands at the moment. And the Hamas leaders are thought to be hiding underground, but the Israeli commandos and bomb squad units are working their way through those tunnels, hoping to find the Hamas leaders and to rescue some of the 130 or so Israeli hostages who are still being held there. There's one area that Israel hasn't gone to yet, which is the border town of Rafah or Rafia, which is on the border between Gaza and Egypt. And that is where many of the Hamas smuggling tunnels are located underground. It's very important that Israel secure that town because otherwise Hamas can escape across the border and leave, whether for Egypt or Qatar or Iran or wherever they go. Turkey, perhaps. And Israel is asking Egypt for permission to go in there. It's not Egyptian territory, but any operation that's right on the border could impact Egyptian security. Egypt does not want to give Israel permission because, get this, Egypt is worried that fighting in Rafah could cause Palestinians to leave Gaza and go into Egypt. Egypt is adamantly refusing to allow any Palestinians to leave Gaza. It's really a unique situation. The world is not allowing people to leave a region of armed conflict, an armed conflict that most of the West at least recognizes as legitimate because Israel was attacked unprovoked by Hamas on October 7th, 1,200 people murdered, most of them civilians. So Israel is going through this war in a legitimate way, a legal way, and it has aims that are completely not just legal but are good for the West. It is not good for... The West if an Islamic terrorist organization achieves its goals. So Israel is fighting this war. To win the war, it needs to complete its mission. It needs to destroy Hamas. It needs to cut off Hamas's avenues of escape. The other really chilling thought is that Hamas could try to smuggle Israeli hostages out of Gaza, where they would disappear into Iran or to some other country and might never reappear. That, that has happened in the past. So Israel needs to take control of Rafah, but Egypt is not letting it do so. Now, the Biden administration has a lot of leverage with Egypt because Egypt gets a massive amount of American aid every year. We could tell Egypt, hey, you're going to have to deal with this problem. Let Israel win the war and we'll help you out with whatever issues arise with refugees and so forth. But we're not using that leverage nor are we using it against Qatar, which is the country that is now supposedly the intermediary between Israel and Hamas, but which also provides a luxurious exile for the Hamas terrorist leaders, most of whom are billionaires, by the way. (laughs) And we're not using our leverage there. We could have canceled or threatened to cancel a contract to house U.S. military bases there. That contract came up for renewal, and the Biden administration renewed it. No questions asked, no pressure. And simply wasted the leverage that we have.
0: Why do they do that, Joel? Why do you think that Joe Biden and his administration have not been as supportive to a major US ally as it seems like they should be? Why is that happening?
1: Well, they're checking some of the boxes of support. So if you talk to Democrats, and I'm sure we'll hear this as we get closer to November, but if you talk to them, they'll say, well he has been supportive. He has pledged aid to Israel, although Congress hasn't passed the additional aid yet. He has defended Israel when Israel has come under criticism. He has agreed to supply munitions to Israel and so forth. But the bigger picture is that his policy is anti-Israel. He's trying to impose a Palestinian state on Israel, which would be a major victory for Hamas. Imagine if they were able to say to their own people, look, we murdered all these people and it got us a state. Therefore, let's just keep murdering. That's the result of the incentive that Biden is creating. He's also now helped the anti-Israel forces around the world by slapping sanctions on Israeli, quote-unquote, settlers over what the administration calls extremist violence. There is a problem with violence between Israelis and Palestinians in the region known as the West Bank or Judea and Samaria, but it's at a much lower level than the war in Gaza. And the unfortunate thing about Biden's new executive order is that it allows the anti-israel people to use new administrative weapons to call for boycotts of israel and for isolating israel this is what they've wanted for a decade and a half or more really well, that
0: sounds two familiar two yeah
1: yeah two and a half decades of this nonsense and he just gave it to them he's not helping israel he's also not helping the united states there was four years of peace under donald trump because donald trump made it clear to iran and hamas and hezbollah that there would be a heavy price to pay not only for attacking Americans, but also for attacking Israel, when the Iraqi militias that are backed by Iran simply marched on U.S. embassies. We're not even talking about major military operations. I think they launched a few rockets and things like that, but they simply made aggressive moves. They hadn't killed any U.S. soldiers. Trump eliminated Iranian Terror General Qasem Soleimani and 10 people from the Iranian military in an airstrike that killed no civilians and and was denounced, by the way, by Joe Biden. Joe Biden opposed that. But that was enough to keep Iran on the back foot for the remainder of Trump's presidency. And Hamas didn't mess with Israel when Trump was president because Trump said he's simply going to let Israel respond however it wants. Biden and Secretary of State Blinken, who is arriving in Israel this week, and Jake Sullivan, the Russia hoaxer who somehow found his way into Mike Flynn's old job as National Security Advisor. They are trying to micromanage the war. They're telling Israel what they can and can't do, and they're trying to impose a deal on Israel that they say would rescue the hostages, but would do so at the price of allowing Hamas to keep its weapons <laughs> and to persist in Gaza. So,
0: you the know what I? Picture is that, yeah. yeah go ahead. What I keep hearing from like Karine Jean-Pierre, for example, White House spokesperson, Israel has the right to defend itself, and then there's always a but. But do it humanely. And, like, I'm just wondering how you're supposed to be humane when dealing with murderous subhumans.
1: The humane option is to defeat Hamas. Yes. That That is the humane option. You know, there are all these protests within the administration, even among congressional staffers. The young, woke staffers don't like Israel. And so the administration is trying to pacify them as well as voters in the Arab and Muslim American communities in swing states like Michigan and Pennsylvania where they have significant presence and they're trying to have it both ways but the reality is you can't it's like fighting Nazi Germany you can't come to some sort of accommodationist peace with Hitler's regime and you can't keep Germany the way it was before the war you can't keep the West Bank and Gaza together in the Palestinian Authority you know we had West Germany and East Germany for decades after the Second World War because Germany united was a threat to the world Well, in the same way, having Hamas running Gaza, having the Palestinian Authority running Gaza, is a threat to Israel and the security of the region. So I don't know why the administration has made a fetish, really, of the Palestinian state at the end of this war. What really should happen is Hamas should be uprooted, and then the U.S. and Israel should turn to the threat of other Iranian terrorist groups like Hezbollah, which has occupied southern Lebanon, which is destroying Lebanon. And the source of all this is the Iranian regime. There's not a lot of interest in this country in going to war yet again in the Middle East. People don't want to go to war with Iran. But we're not even doing things that we could be doing to create pressure on the Iranian regime, which its own people hate, by the way. Iranians are the most pro-American people outside of Israel in the Middle East, but they're being oppressed by this regime. And if we would help the Iranian people, if we would put sanctions on the regime, if we would take actions against its military, then we could... Let the Iranian people know that we're there for them and we could encourage a change there that we don't have to be involved with militarily in a direct way, at least not in Iran. So, you know, this is what's missing and and this is the leadership I think Americans are craving. And that's why you're seeing Donald Trump soar in the polls. I mean, Donald Trump, love him or hate him, kept the peace without bringing Americans into another war. And And people are hungry for that kind of leadership again.
0: Uh, Breitbart News, senior editor at large, Joel Pollack. Joel, I, we could talk to you for an hour straight, commercial free. Maybe one day we can do that, have a, a longer <laughs> podcast uh, type <laughs> of uh, conversation, man. Thank you for calling in and give us giving us an update. And uh, uh, you can find us work at com. Joel Pollack, thank you. Have a great weekend.
1: You too.